Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. He was certainly away last night at Watford. James Pearce. Hiya, Jay. Hello. Also with me is our LFC editor, Andrew Kelly. Hi, Ian. And also Joe Brimmer, also of the Echo. Hi, Joe. Hi, Ian. No problem. How are you, Joe? I'm good, thank Nice you. to see you in the pod again. Yeah. Nice times. Uh, Andy, it was certainly thirsty work up at, uh, well, certainly for me and James down at Vicarage Road last night and... Uh, if you wanted a drink, what should we do? Well, seamlessly and seamless Thank as ever. The success of the Blood Red podcast has uh, led to us having a, uh, a sponsor, I think we call it. And uh, So if you uh, need a drink, go to our uh, partners, beer52.com. And if you uh, pop in the code ECHO there, you can get tenner off your first uh, case of, uh, of eight delicious craft beers if you're into uh, craft beers with it most people are these days so that's beer52.com and uh, yeah use the code echo Joe's into craft beers aren't you yeah yeah, yeah he really likes them yeah, yeah good yeah. nice bit of promotion there yeah uh, James uh, myself and yourself were at Vicarage Road on Monday night to watch Liverpool basically almost kill Jurgen Klopp to <laughs> quote the manager himself um, was a bit nervy towards the end but I don't think you know, I think I saw some Watford players suggesting, certainly the manager, that perhaps the Watford deserved a point, but I didn't think so. And do you think Liverpool merited the win in the end? Yeah, without without doubt. I don't know how how Watford could have possibly justified getting anything from that game. To be honest, um, obviously the, the late chance, Del Rue, um, the one that Prodel smashed against the bar. But you know, apart from that, they created very very little and were. Incredibly negative, and that was that was what made for such a dour game, really, because you know they they tried to do what what Crystal Palace did the week before by defending in numbers, uh, looking to just frustrate Liverpool, and and they and it worked for a long time. And you know, watching it, it was you know it was it was pretty hard going for for most of, certainly most of the first half, and then you know you always felt it was going to take something special to to bring the game to life, and you know Lalana was inches away from providing it, and then Emre Chan went. One step further with with that, you know, amazing strike, and then second half, I thought Liverpool were much better. Should have killed Watford off, um, but you know, I think when it's when it when it stays one nil, it was always going to get nervy. The last ten fifteen, Watford just you know just launched it, didn't they? Every opportunity tried to tried to you know a bit of an aerial bombardment to try and try and expose Liverpool's frailties we've seen previous in that department, but this time Liverpool stood up to it and. Um, yeah, I thought you know it wasn't a pretty game, but Liverpool fully deserved the win. Andy, were you worried at any points that they may mess it up? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, I'm still not sure. I'm not worried as we speak right now. Um, it's oh, over, Andy. It's I was over. in Christian Walsh and I were in the office, um, and uh, yeah, no, I mean the last twenty minutes, I, I, I was exceedingly nervous of a honest. and it's probably one of those when you watch the replay that you just go, well, I don't know what I was nervous about because they went. Really, very many chances. Uh, Mignolet, who we should talk about, probably um, you know came for a lot of those balls you mentioned in terms of the, the aerial bombardment. Uh, James talks about and and did superb. And really, apart from the uh, the, the chance which hits the bar, um, there wasn't a huge um, amount for them to to shout about. But it was just one of the. While it's always just one, and because I think. Most of us don't entirely trust this Liverpool team that you always think there might be an error in them, even though the past few weeks there probably hasn't been that, that many. I just think that we're, we're now accustomed to thinking they're, they're going to do something stupid here. And hopefully as the weeks uh, 
uh, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, as the seasons go on, that this this team will convince us otherwise, and, uh, and the blood pressure can stay, you know, sort of within national health service <laughs> guidelines. Because mine certainly wasn't last night. Joe, Joe, do you think there's a certain irony in the fact that now here at the business end of the season, having spoken all season about Liverpool's great attacking play and how rubbish they are defensively? The goals have dried up, and now they're being reliant on the the back four and the goalkeeper, who, who've been very much maligned, maligned for a lot of the season. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of reasons why why that's happened. I think as we get to the the business end of the campaign, um, I think everyone gets a bit more nervous, don't they? I think the fans certainly get nervous. I think that translates into the players. They know how every point is crucial, and they don't want to break forward and leave two centre halves up front in the final minute and give end. That away. would never happen. They'd, yeah, that that would, would never, never do happen. that. Never and then um and then of course the manager who sounds like he, he was a bit nervous as well last night. So I think it's translating into some um sort of iffy performances. But as long as they're they're solid and they can try and scratch their way through these games and get one nil wins like last night at West Brom, um, they'll be fine. Uh, it's the home games that I'm worried about and I think Southampton coming up, um, you know, with the way they play, they're quite a solid team. Could be quite difficult, but um, Liverpool have just got to find a way to win. We'll come to the Southampton game in a bit because I know Andy's got a, a little bit of concern over the fact that the two, three, the two of the three games left are at Anfield. But James, we can't go any further without talking about Emre Chan's goal, which I think you'll agree is probably the best goal scored by a, a German midfielder for Liverpool this season. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fine tribute to him. Um, yeah, it was it was extraordinary, wasn't it? Really, it was. Uh, you know, credit to Lucas for spotting the run, uh, and for you know it was a perfect weight on the pass. But to to execute the volley like that with uh, you know just you know the technique and was just just remarkable. And you know gave Gomez absolutely no chance. And you know, it was one of those goals where you know you're at a ground where you could, you know I think it it took a couple of seconds for anyone to kind of think as has that really just happened? Has that gone in? It just everything seemed to stand still for a few seconds as he. He started tearing up towards the halfway line in 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 the uh, in the direction of Klopp. Um, yeah, just a, just an amazing piece of quality, just genius. And you know, I think Cham was. I thought I thought he was probably Liverpool's best player up to that point. And you know, I think it just showed he's a player full of confidence at the moment. You know, he had that strike early on that forced a decent save from Gomez. Um, you know, you go back a few weeks and he scored that really important goal against Burnley. Um, you know, I think he only scored one Premier League goal in each of his first two seasons at the club he's now got five this season um, you know and at a stage of the season where Liverpool have lost a lot of big players and, and other players are feeling the strain he's he's going from strength to strength and his you know this, his influence on this Liverpool team you know was epitomised by the by the quality of that strike Andy it was interesting listening to Jurgen Klopp after the game he was explaining that on the training ground the first training session last week when they were preparing for this game they were building on moves where basically the number six was passing to the number eight. That's how he would describe it in the area, whether that be Lucas to Chan or Lucas to Juan Aldem or, or Juan Aldem to Chan or something like that. Obviously, they weren't you know, preparing for <coughs> him to score an over a kick like that, but Klopp was saying that he was delighted in the fact that's how the goal came about because it was somebody from midfield breaking beyond the midfielders and up, you know, to help the attackers. Yeah, it was, it was about... He always talks about half spaces, doesn't he? And, uh, and trying to keep the keep the full-back wide there to get, get space to move into. And, and they did that. But what you would say about in terms of the quality of the finish is that when the ball goes in, at no point do you think this is a great chance, do you? Because the, the defender's in the right position. Yeah. Whatever they were working on in terms of the space, they, they managed to get a player sort of one-on-one. 
But the defender's in the right position. He's right behind him. There's an argument that says he should potentially challenge more forcefully for the ball, but you suspect because it was in the box, he's a wee bit nervous about doing that. Um, <coughs> but, I mean, I think everybody, wherever they watched it, um, would have just... I saw David Fairclough, who watched it with the New York Supporters Club, saying the reaction there was just incredible. And that, that, that's one of those reactions that will have gone you know, round the world when people were watching the game. Fair play to, to Chan for that. And um, it was you know, a rare moment of quality in a first half that didn't have very many of them at all. And, you know, there were excuses for Liverpool. The loss of Coutinho obviously disrupted them, but I think that was that had happened sort of about I mean he went off in the thirteenth minute, didn't he? I think he, he got the knock in about after about five minutes mm. and there just wasn't any rhythm to the game and um I mean if I was a Watford fan, the thing that would frustrate me is that when they actually had a bit of a go in the last twenty minutes they actually looked like they could cause Liverpool some problems, but they hadn't really given themselves the Wasn't opportunity to Wasn't that to, to do, do with Liverpool? Again, Jürgen Klopp mentioned the fact that they'd invested so much in the first hour or so that they got a bit tired towards the end. And that's when you know Watford kind of started to get a little bit of joy. Well, a little bit, but I always think, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I'm sure Liverpool dominated the ball in the game, and normally it's far more tiring to chase the ball. Yeah, and if, in the start at the end, there's, they've completed... Second most passes in the Premier League this season. True, I think so. Yeah, five hundred thirty-five. On the assumption that it's far easier to to have the ball than defend the ball, so to speak, um, I would have thought that Watford would have been, and especially a team that didn't have a lot to play for. That but Watford they... didn't push up very much, did they, for that first hour? So they weren't exactly doing an awful lot of running. They were just making sure they were filling the spaces rather than anything else. Yeah, but filling the spaces does it's, take it's... take energy and. I'm it's more not mental energy, isn't it, than anything else? If Liverpool were tired, I think that's what it was. It was about that me- mental... All, I mean, all the way through the second half, I was thinking, I'm sure it crossed a few of their minds, imagine we score that goal and don't win this game. That would be just horrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, horrible one-all with a two points dropped and you've scored that goal. That, that would have been a real frustration for everybody. But three points down there, um, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, I know we... Crystal Palace was was poor, but uh, you know nine out of twelve going into those last four games, I think everybody would have taken it, wouldn't they? Definitely, yeah. they definitely would. I mean, Joe, I had a quick look at some of the stats on the game last night, and one of the the strange ones that that stood out was the fact that James Milner touched the ball forty nine, I think it's forty nine times more than anybody else on the pitch. I think he had something like one hundred and twenty six touches, and the next one I think was uh, Nathaniel Clyde, but. You know, you're looking at the game, you wouldn't have said that Milner was one of the better players on show, but it kind of underlines the fact that, I think it's James made this point, where, what was it, James, that uh, when James Milner was spoken to by Jurgen Klopp in the, at the start Last of the season? Summer, about, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah these... I think Klopp, had, he, initially, when he, Klopp had asked him, you know, I want you to play left-back this season, and he, and he said that, initially, he said, no, I, I don't fancy it, because, you know, left-back, I'm not really involved, am I? I'm a centre midfielder, and Klopp said to him, no, 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 as my left back, you really will be involved, you know, and try to explain to him, you know, the, the role, and you know, I think that kind of convinced Milner, you know, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give this a go. Um, you know, he, he did see a, a huge amount of the ball, didn't he? I, I didn't yeah, think he played yeah. particularly well. No, well I was going to ask you, Joe, that it kind of underlines just how important he is in a position that you wouldn't expect a player to be that important because he he would, I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, he was the most experienced player out there. He's older than Lucas, and he's certainly been involved in more. You know, end of season finishes with Manchester City mm-hmm. or whoever, so he knows how to get it done and get it over the line. And he, he kind of 
took it on himself, didn't he? To, he was the one that was kind of... It didn't always work, but he was making sure he was heavily involved. Definitely. I think, I think as James says, I don't think he put in much quality. He, he seems to take a lot of the ball on the left-hand side and get a lot of crosses in with his right foot. But he cuts back in it and tends to put a flat cross in, which you don't really get... It's hard for Liverpool to go and attack it, and he's not really getting to the byline and putting anything in of real threat. Um, but it's funny you should say about him being the most experienced player, because on one hand he is, but on the other hand he's the most inexperienced in a certain position, isn't he? You know, he's not. I know he's got so much experience, but he's not going to influence the game as much as he in terms of experience playing left back. But he did say a lot of the ball last night. I think they need a bit more quality from him in general. But, um, I, I think both both sides. Yeah, both yeah, sides definitely. Yeah, uh, both sides. And and I think, I think that's something. In the summer, you know, if if they are going to buy a left back, someone perhaps who's a little bit more um, sort of dynamic. That isn't Alberto Moreno to give them another option because I think Milner's very good there and he's very steady, but sometimes when you want a bit more pace down the left hand side, I think they could do with another option. There. The, the way teams defend against Liverpool, the full backs become yeah, incredibly yeah. important, don't they? In terms of, of, of they're often the ones left with the ball, which is why what Klopp was probably saying to Milner because teams will defend narrow against them. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, as Joe says, that become a bit of a cliche Milner cutting back on his yeah. right foot but he yeah. just does it all the time doesn't yeah. he yeah. and last night he almost his best almost chance he almost created was when he, he sort of fooled everyone thinking and he, 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 he trickled it along it, yeah. the byline it just went out yeah. um, but Klein on the other on the other side is a frustration for me and he he perhaps gets into even better positions because of his pace compared to Milner and his um I mean, I thought, thought Jan Matt did quite well for uh, for Watford last night, but um, we've got to have more quality from Klein. And I don't know whether Klein looks up and there's no one there, sort of with momentum going into the box or someone you can hit, or whether Klein's delivery is just so poor. But it just feels yeah. like it breaks yeah. down at that point just, all the time. I don't think it's his game, is it? I don't think his delivery. That, and that's <coughs> the problem with Klein because he is very solid and he's very steady, and you don't exactly. He's not going to be a priority to sort of replace or, or, or improve upon, but it's not his game. He's just not. He's not got the quality in the final third, and I don't think he'll ever have that. I don't think be depend. I don't think Liverpool's attack has changed. He will be any better. He will just be the same player. Luckily, enough. We'll no, no, stop it. Right. Like, but <laughs> my final words. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought both fullbacks were infuriated for long periods of that game, and. And he's right. I think with Klein, the problem is because he's got the pace as well, and he's, he's, you know, and he, he gets into such great areas, and you think, go on then. And nine times out of ten, his delivery is absolutely woeful. The thing he doesn't do, he doesn't shoot either, does he? He, he does. He has no. He, he had that one shot. Himself. Who was it against? Though got plucked out of the. Uh, oh, Bournemouth. Hit the hit the junction. It was on his birthday. It, was on yeah. his bir- it felt like he but thought, yeah, yeah, on my birthday. Why can't I go? I was looking at because there was that there was that stat during the rounds today that Lucas has now got the same number of Premier League assists this season as Pogba, and when you're going through the list, I was trying to find what you know what the other names that stands out that Lucas has. As outshone, when suddenly you know Klein's name pops up and there's only you know, two assists. When you think one of those was at Arsenal on the opening weekend, wasn't it for Coutinho? Which is ridiculous when you think when you, if you look at like you know his heat mapping games or whatever and the areas he gets into. To the, the fact that he's only provided one Premier League assist since the middle of August. I suppose his argument though would be that there's so much other from when they're not injured there's attacking no at attacking players no, in front be, of him. He's got to be producing more than that. 
Well, bear in mind that only goal, no one scored more goals than Liverpool in the Premier League this season. That's right, isn't it? Now I think, yeah, still that's yeah. still correct. Yeah. So, where are all the assists coming from then? They're not reliant on him to get the assists, are they? No, but um, you know, but he should be provided more assists than he, than he does. And remember that you know, there's no there's no reason just because we've scored more goals than anyone else, there's no reason we shouldn't be scoring more. And I think most of us would would argue we should have scored more than we scored yeah, this season. Yeah, yeah. And definitely, Klein. Klein's ability to create chances has to be looked at. I, I wonder what they do with him on the training pitch. There must be a plan. There must be a better plan than you go as far as you can and then cut it back because you'll find someone arriving on the edge, which is seems to be the modern way in terms of crosses, doesn't it? It's it, it's very much pull it pull it yeah, back yeah. one more one more person than you think because there's always someone in the box and you think just square it for them. That's generally where they. The, the coaches seem to think the defence will congregate, so you pull up one more back to the edge yeah. and they shoot from there. And um, it there must there must be some thought goes into it, but whatever that whatever is happening on the training pitch, it's not transferring onto the pitch. It's interesting that we've spoken there about the two left backs, and not once have we spoken about how good they are actually at defending. Which, as much as we talk about the, the modern two fullbacks, two fullbacks, two fullbacks yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. as much as we talk about um, the modern fullback, yeah. The, yeah. It's still the basic element is, can you defend? Can you stop the crosses coming in? Can you make the tackles? Can you read the game? Can you make the interceptions? Yeah, and they both are you know, pretty decent at that. They rarely get caught out. I mean, obviously, um, I think there was once last night when Matip was needed at the near post because I think it was Isaac's success, yeah, yeah, the marvellously yeah. named uh, Isaac, um, <laughs> managed yeah. to beat uh, Klein just and get a cross in, but it was, it was, it was beating them at a stretch rather than actually, you know, showing him a clean pair of heels and he just managed to get across and Matip was there. So they are both doing doing decent and perhaps perhaps we're being harsh, but the modern fullback is Well if you're aiming for top three, top four, you've got to be harsh because you've got to be. You look at what the other teams have got. Yeah. Yeah. Out wide. So there were though Liverpool uh, sorry James, there were four Liverpool some options off the bench for once. And they both contributed in, in their own ways, Adam Lalana and uh, Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, and it was it was huge, wasn't it? Because if you think if you go back a week, if Liverpool had lost, you know, Coutinho, say that Liverpool had had the bench they had against Palace, against Watford, and then lost Coutinho after ten minutes, you know, it it would have been a you know a, you know, a huge huge blow. But you know, thankfully with you know Lallana, Sturridge, and Clavin back in the squad, the bench did look stronger, and you know probably Lallana probably sat on that bench at the start thinking maybe twenty twenty five minutes. Um, to get back in the swing of things, and you know, suddenly within 15 minutes he's out there. But I think you know there were times when he w- he was predictably rusty. Um, you know, I think there was one time when he should have released Origi um, and didn't couldn't couldn't find him. But you know, he, we saw enough of Lalana to to realise just how much we missed him. Just you know, the way that he linked play and you know, he was involved in the move that led to the goal, and you know, obviously the dip in volley that that cannoned against the underside of the bar and. Yeah, that that was that was huge to have him back available, and and Sturridge as well. I thought played his part. You know, he was only on the pitch what for ten minutes or whatever. But you know, when it when it got so stretched and frenetic in those closing stages, I thought he, you know, he he, he held the ball up well. You know, he in, you know very close to to wrapping up the points, um, and that was that was good to see. Um, so yeah, that you know, just especially on a night when you know you lose Coutinho to see to have players of the caliber of Lallana and Sturridge to come on. You know, certainly, certainly help Liverpool get the job done. Joe, do you feel as though Adam Lallana has learned to be more efficient in his game? Definitely, by by yeah. which I mean, you know, we running joke certainly for earlier the season is that he would 
attempt about 15 Cruyff turns before crossing the ball and the chance was lost. But he, he's now become a player who can dictate yeah. the, the, the shape of the game or the rhythm of the game because he puts his foot on it when he wants Liverpool needed to be slowed down, speeds it up otherwise. Yeah, I don't think you'd make that joke about him for the entire campaign. I think he's been, this, this year, he's, he's really, really developed. And um, he releases the ball far better. He plays in a deeper position, doesn't he? And when he came on last night, he seemed to see a lot of the ball, moved it well at all times. You know, I thought there was that one, I know the one you t- talked about where Rigi seemed to make a good run. I think maybe if he'd had a bit more football, he might yeah. have seen that. But do you think he would have scored I, as well when he had that yeah, chance? Yeah, he would have scored. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, was just, yeah. it, it was just behind him, wasn't it? I think as it came across. But I think that that left foot volley as well was was absolutely superb. Yeah. Such great technique. Um, and in a weird way, I'd almost make a case for that being better than Chan's had that gone in because it was so good in his week of thought to watch that come down. Um, so all round, I thought he played very well and, and it really bodes well that he's back for Liverpool and he's one of the most important players. He's, he's all comes down to control of the football. It's the most underrated skill in the game. Never gets mentioned about, people talk about skills, pace, strength, control of the football. He's generally got the football under control so he can... He can uh, that makes it harder to take the football off him a yeah. lot, a lot harder, and, that, and therefore you uh, you can uh, you can go from there. You can give you a platform. Yeah. But uh, I did want to mention his midfield part. Uh, well, the midfield yesterday um, thought Wijnaldum was really poor. I wouldn't say he was really poor. I think he he took him a long time to get going, and he had one of those games where we've discussed this many times, where you do wonder what he's doing, but. While he was getting a bit, you know, a bit stuck in and provided a bit of a link play, he just didn't seem to. He made a lot of wrong options. He, yeah. he had a lot of the ball in the second half, and he kept on picking the wrong option. When when they were going forward, not so much when uh, defensively. Which, if you're going to make mistakes, it's better to do that up front than, than towards your own goal. Felt like he was obsessed with keeping control of the game when he had opportunities to go forward more and maybe go and try and kill the game off. And then I thought, sort of one comment on social media, which I thought was spot on, where he said. said uh, quietly having having a, uh, one of his poorest games for Liverpool because <laughs> so often people always throughout the year he's quietly having one of his best games and that, he's become a bit of a hipster's player hasn't he Wijnaldum and um, I think he's he, he's had a really good season but a couple of times and you really do want to say to him look you need to sort yourself out and go and score a goal away. <laughs> 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 no, come here Jimmy lads yeah. I think part of it is the game plan though but, do you not like, it, it you watch him last good, night and he's Anfield, he seems to you can see the have much more of a license to get to get yeah. forward, and I wonder whether last night was because I, you know, I thought he was poor, but you know, offered absolutely nothing going forward. But then I thought maybe that's maybe that's the role he's been told to to, to fill. Do, do you think one of those two, whether it be him or Chan, because you always have the, the deepest guy, which at the moment is Lucas. Do you think one of those two is told not to go as much? Because yesterday it seems to be Chan getting forward more mm. and Wijnaldum not so much. But sometimes we see Wijnaldum getting forward quite yeah, a lot. I wasn't we? so concerned about his general positioning on the mm. pitch. I didn't mind if he was operating a bit deeper. Mm. But I just felt like he he wasn't involved very much yeah, in the game. Was pass by, yeah, game yeah. passing him by a little bit. And it's strange. And I don't yeah, know, yeah. you know, his his lack of goals, etc. away from home has become a little bit of a, you know, it's, almost, it's become almost... A, Amusing, but I'm sort of like starting to wear off for me. Just go and score one, would you? Is there something you mentioned? You mentioned then about that you could see the cogs going in his mind. Do you think he's one of these players that has to play the natural game to be at their best? No. Now, if you see what I mean by that, but, I yeah. mean there was an interview. Everton Morgan Schneiderlin was asked about why he didn't succeed at Manchester United, and he said that when Louis Van Gaal was the manager, 
he'd go out to play and he'd be thinking, what does the manager want me to do? What does the manager want me to do? And he says that when you're doing that and not playing your natural game or what you're used to, you have like in this small hesitation, you know, mm. to, oh, he wants me to do this. And then maybe the tackle's a bit late or the pass is a bit off. Yeah, I think it depends if you're in form or not. I think, uh, but then Jan, he is. You'd have to say yeah. that Wan Eldon largely is in form. Yeah. Big, big Jan Mulby dealt with this in, in his column in the Echo a few weeks ago, where he spoke about you know the sort of instructions and how how hard it is if you're not in the best of form to try and go out there and then because you're thinking about it and everything becomes you're thinking too much about it and you're just not playing, just getting on with playing football. And I think, um, I think. For Wijnaldum, I think he's clearly a player who can take instruction and, and knows how to go out and produce it. But I, I still think he's slightly overthinking it, which you can. And always, always, you know, your natural game is generally the, the best way to be. There are players who love nothing more than being given a job by the manager. You look at Herrera the other week yeah, uh, yeah. when Mourinho gave him a job. You could, you could tell he absolutely reveled in it, didn't he? Because he... he he saw himself as being able to do that job for the manager. Some players are like that, but uh, um, yeah, well, Wijnaldum, I just, I just think he's he's been very good. But you know, we have to point out there are occasions when you sort of wonder where has that really good player gone this you game. Me- you mentioned Herrera then. Perhaps Liverpool's equivalent is Lucas Lever, Joe. And I believe that yeah. you and Andy yeah, had a little bit of a difference of opinion earlier today regarding yeah. the diminutive yeah. Brazilian and massive fan of James Pearce. Yeah, no, we did. Um, I'm, I'm I'm almost going to. Who's been telling tales? Yeah, I'm, I'm almost going to wrap up Benitez, Andy, because I brought some piece, a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I want to talk about facts. facts. No, okay. because we, he Andy genuinely and I, the has brought a piece of paper <laughs> yeah. out of his pocket there. By the way, the context of this is that we we disagreed on. Lucas gave a foul at the very end of the game, just inside um, Liverpool's own half, and um, I think it was it might have been the free kick that the chance the bar came from. Yeah. Yeah, so well, yeah, eventually it did. there was a throw-in in between, yeah. And, and Andy and I disagreed, because I, I think there's nothing wrong with a defensive midfielder giving a foul away in that position, because at the end of the day, he's there to stop the attacks, and if he does that, then you expect your team to be able to defend a free kick, which is five yards inside your own half. And he didn't agree, so I went to have a look at who's committed the most fouls this season, and considering Lucas hasn't played defensive midfield, he's not up there. But I think this illustrates the fact that if you play in that position, you commit fouls. Wanyama's top, Kante, Barry, Chan, Gay, Herrera, Pogba and Romeo from um, Southampton. They're the facts, aren't they? So, so, <laughs> so, 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 so this marvellous piece, piece of evidence is essentially hard-tackling midfielders occasionally. Yeah, but the, but, but you, you, I always think there's this myth with Lucas that he gives away too many fouls. No, there's a myth that he doesn't. He doesn't. What? Is this a myth that you've just started? There's a myth among people that it's okay, and and it's become de rigueur among certain level of of fans to say, oh, well, Lucas plays in that position. If he gives away a silly foul, it's fine. It's not fine. But the question mark is, was it a silly foul five yards inside his own half? And I know your view is that it's fine to give away a foul there. My opinion is that for a Liverpool team that struggles to defend the set pieces and that you know that that ball's going to be launched into your box with a couple of minutes left, there wasn't any danger. If, if, the, if Watford had been breaking or whatever, then I think it's a good foul to take, clearly two yards inside your own half, rather than the normal Lucas foul, which is about just on the edge no, of your that, own penalty area. I take that, take, you know, on the edge of his own penalty area. But I still think that, 
again, because that is nearer the position he plays and he's bound to give away fouls near the edge of his if own. If we had more area. confidence in but, that uh, in that defence, I think at, I wouldn't that stage think of the twice game about it. And offer there on the attack. Surely he's he's meant to get his foot in there. You want him to put his foot in. You want him to try. I think and there's been times the in recent seasons as well where you've like accused Liverpool of not being cluey enough and giving yeah. away little cynical fouls and. And standing on the ball and stopping teams from taking it because that's what Chelsea are very good at. That, that, that's that's fine, good. but I don't think this was one of them. I just think it was a. I mean, there was there it's was the context argument. of the game as well. It was the ninety-second minute or whatever, yeah. and so he probably thought we literally can't run the risk of them getting anywhere near our goal. We've got more chance of defending with all our players behind the ball than perhaps three or four. But I, I don't think we were in a situation where they were breaking. I think we were just in a normal run of play. But Liverpool, actually, Liverpool dealt with off. every single set piece that they'd. They'd done up to that I, point. I'd argue that a player can't, he, he can't, hasn't got time in, in the game in those split seconds to think, oh, we we can't defend a set piece that's taken from. I can understand if it's if it's right near the box, but from there, he's just got to get his oh, foot should in be and try def- and win the ball. It should be defended, but lots yeah. of the evidence suggests yeah, that we, yeah. we struggle. But that's, fact, but that's not Lucas's fault, is it? That's, that's it's the, not, that's but he, team's he must be aware of the situation. And actually, Liverpool are Me worse. Me and James at, just going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool are worse at defending the ones when there's a big gap between the, the, the back line and Mignolet when he has to decide whether to come into that space or not. And those tend to be ones that are a little bit further out. Look, five yards in from that. I'm not saying it was an absolutely terrible foul. I'm just it's saying. Backtracking. No, I'm saying. I'm saying. I'm saying. I still think it was un, unnecessary and that he tends to be the man at the scene of the crime too often for me still, even though he's played, been playing really well. Well, James, the reason that Liverpool didn't concede <laughs> any goals was primarily due to Simon Mignolet's performance because he managed to, you know, something that's he's been criticised for certainly at the beginning of the season or last season was his lack of domination of the, of the yeah, penalty yeah. area. But if any goalkeeper wants to see an example of how to deal with the long ball and how to punch when he needs to punch, you know, catch it when he needs to catch it. And he calmed everybody down with the way. And even his distribution was decent. Yeah. It was Mignolet, I, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought he didn't put a foot wrong throughout, really. Um, some, you know, it was, you know, for long periods of the game, he was he was a spectator. But, you know, when he was called upon, um, did everything that you'd want want from your keeper and, you know, spread a lot of, you know, calmness, I think, through the, through the back line. Um... You know, it was ironic in a way. That probably, you know, one of his one of his best saves. The, the, the Craig Paulson gave a goal kick, and he much to much to Watford's disgust. Um, but yeah, I think probably more impressive than the saves was just the the way that he dealt with danger. His decision making has improved, you know, immeasurably um, in terms of knowing when to when to catch, when to punch. Um, you know, coming off his line, dealing with situations, and. Yeah, you know, it was it was good to see it. He got you know, he got a huge ovation from the from the away end afterwards and that was that was fully deserved, I think. You know, we've spoken in recent weeks about you know, the fact that Klopp has got no intentions of buying a keeper this summer and, and Mignolet's shown why, because you know, he certainly repaid that faith without doubt the best period of his of his Anfield career. Um, you know, I think he deserved a, a lot of credit for that victory. Deserved that slice of luck with the one that that Cannon back off the bar in the last few seconds, um, and I think other ones that we probably haven't mentioned who who should get mentioned, you know, Lovren and Matip, mm. probably, you know, Lovren especially, you know, on the back of the nightmare that he had against Palace, um, you know, and then also, you know, a bit more pressure on him probably on on the back of signing that lucrative new contract. And, and his and, comments before the game where he he kind of suggests that Liverpool don't have the same motivation in these games than when they're playing the likes of Manchester City. Which yeah, I think maybe someone's probably lost a bit in translation probably with that. Not from English to English. Yeah. Well, no, but I think <laughs> you, know, you know what he meant. He meant that 
that you don't as a player you don't need to get yourself up for playing Man City whilst it is different when you play Watford. I think that's just common sense. But um Is it James? I think it is, yes. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, he, he won or he won all of his aerial battles. I thought, you know, where is he was rash and his decision making was pretty woeful against Palace. He, he um he, he was back to largely the Lovren we've seen for most of the season and you know, Lovren and Matip I thought probably after after Chan and Mignolet were, were Liverpool's next two best players on the night. Andy, were you feeling the Lovren? Yeah, I thought he did well. I thought there was a couple of headers towards the end where he did I think Deeney did actually beat him in the air just a couple of times. Um so I wasn't and the whole, the whole. He's having a go at everybody today, no, isn't he? Yeah. I just, I thought we we haven't really discussed. What the was whole, wrong? What was what, wrong with the goal? The Chan goal? There, come on! What was wrong with the goal? Uh, nothing wrong with the goal. Should but, have put it in the other one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gomez was poor. But, uh, but, but Lovren was was playing uh, right wing in the ninety second minute, yeah, trying yeah. to cross for Matip. That was funny. Scoring, though. That was which, funny. Is is just about that, as that, random as this Liverpool that, team that, gets. That's just Klopp. That's a Klopp thing, isn't it? It, it, it was. They probably fancy themselves. They probably think, oh, I can get on to the, on the end of this. Matip's thinking that, and Lovren's thinking, oh, oh Matt, just, Matt, let's put this in know. there. I think James did a story saying that when he made his World Cup debut, he played uh, on in three off the front on the right, didn't he? <laughs> so he's. I mean, he has. He clearly fancies himself as a player. Matip, you can see that when he strolls out, and he's got yeah. fair play. It's good to have that type of player in defence. And uh, but ninety second minute, we've brought on a uh, Ragnar Klavan to to strengthen up the defence, and he was the only one within fifty yards of our goal. He was playing the left wing at times. So now you see, now you see why Lucas made the foul because he thought everybody <laughs> on the defenders are up top. I mean, it was a bit, it was a bit random. I, I mean, it was a passage of play, and you can understand how it ended up happening. But at some point, you're just going get back. I just, just get back. Why did Lovren feel the need to put the cross in? He was up yeah. there because he was in. There had been a set piece, yeah. hadn't there? Yeah. Why didn't he just think? Just well, it's the last go, moment. Go and in the start game. hugging the just corner. Go and <laughs> not put a cross in. What happened? Yeah. This far. One thing I wanted to mention about Minouet, Ian, was um, I think he struggles a lot when players put um, at set pieces. Put somebody in front of him at set pieces. He gets distracted uh, by it, doesn't he? Um, he doesn't like it. You can yeah. see he's trying to get them away from him. He's always worried about where to put his feet. He always seems to be worried that he his leg will entangle with the attacker's leg. And, and, and where is he going to slip and everything else? And I, the last few weeks, I haven't seen teams particularly do that, uh, try and put a man in front of him. So if they now do it, are we going to blame you? I'm assuming they don't listen to the Blood Red podcast. Um, certainly don't Claude, get negative again. Claude, 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 what's wrong with you Claude today? Claude Puel is worried for his future, we're told. I'm not sure he's thinking I'll get out of it with uh, 45 minutes with the Blood Red lads. So, uh, um, but I, I'm glad they're not. But I think it is something that he'll have to look at because I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. Uh, Mignolet, I think you described him as magnificent Mignolet in your analysis here, uh, which pretty much summed it up for me. And... Uh, He's been that way for, for several weeks and um, um, you wonder how you'll be if we can get that real improvement with a, with another centre-back. Um, and the full-backs, don't forget. Who, whoever. You, you wonder, you know, Mignolet could become to look really rock solid behind a, 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 an even better defence. Um, right, we'll look ahead to the Southampton game later this week, but Liverpool are now you know, destiny in their own hands. The results couldn't have gone any better for them on Sunday. They finally, you know, they, they made that leap. They've got the gap now in third place. Joe, do you feel as though 
two home games is a good thing or a bad thing to have? Again, this this wasn't quite so easy, but Andy and I were dis- discussing this before. And Andy, have you got any and facts? We agreed on this. <laughs> we, if he's got facts, this. I'm in trouble. No, 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 I haven't got any facts. No. But we agreed on this. Uh, it, it's, Liverpool are an odd proposition at home at the moment, aren't they? And, and you kind of fear that if Southampton come along and, and make it another difficult game, they sit in deep, that Liverpool are going to go through the motions again. And we were discussing why Liverpool aren't playing a bit more of a, a defensive game at home as, like they are playing away. I couldn't understand against Palace why Liverpool was still intent on attacking at 1-0. They should have just kept it tight and told Palace come and play some football with us then. So um, it's a difficult one. Uh, Southampton, again, you've got to hope that they've taken one eye off the, the ball now and sort of on their holidays. But yeah, I don't quite trust Liverpool at all at the moment. Jade, are you still confident that top four is... Uh... Going to happen? Yeah, very confident. Yeah, I think on on the back of <laughs> it, it's. Uh, it could know, have been a nine seven, points off it with only eight points to play. So seven, the same thing. Seven, <laughs> seven points from these last three games would be enough. Um, and you know, I don't think you count Middlesbrough on the last day because Liverpool will beat Middlesbrough; they'll be relegated by then. Um, <laughs> so then he's been I, saying I, that I said that last yeah. week. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure you, have yeah. 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 I'm not sure you can have That's, eight points to play for. By the way, and then and then I just think Liverpool. I think. You know, so the, the, this is the, out of the three left. I think Southampton at home is the most problematic, just because Southampton, Liverpool haven't measured up well against them in the three games this season. They've even scored against them in what four and a half hours of football. Well, I said this anyway. Whoever it was that this game was, whoever it was against, was going to be the important one because if they win this, it sets them up for the last two games. And if you are assuming that they're going to beat Middlesbrough, then they go into that West Ham game and they think we might need a point here. Well, not, not so much the pressure's off, but they're thinking. Well, hang on, we've bought ourselves a little bit of leeway. This weekend's massive because you've got um, Liverpool's trump card, if you like, has always been um, United v Arsenal, isn't yeah. it? And that's they that, go first, don't that's they? The, um, Is that first? It's on Sunday, isn't it? We're, we're on Sunday. First, yeah. so. Liverpool are first. Liverpool, Liverpool first, first, sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, we could really... If, if Liverpool did the business and got their three points in, in, in the bank... They'd be 12 right? points clear of Arsenal. And, and then those two have someone's some dropping points... And uh, so it's a massive opportunity which brings the pressure, which it did last night with um, the weekend's results had sort of all been for Liverpool, really. And you sort of think, OK, massive chance, lads, and they went and did it. But in terms of the Anfield equation, it is, it is really a strange one where Liverpool at the moment, if they don't blow, a team, blow teams away in that sort of initial half-hour period, um, there's a difficulty in terms of whether they stick or twist, really. And... Um, I think they're confused about what they should be doing at Anfield. And I think that nervousness uh, of the of the crowd sort of sometimes comes onto the pitch as well, and it, it, it's a difficult one because you'd all, you'd always say, look, let's t-, you'd always rather be at Anfield. I think definitely, but um, at the moment they go away and they they seem to be very clear about what job they need to do. But at Anfield, even when they go one up, they're not sure whether to whether to go on for the second one, or try and hold what you have. And the difficulty of trying to hold what you have if you do go one up, as Joe said against Crystal Palace, is that the whole crowd still hasn't got complete trust that the defence yeah, will keep yeah. a clean sheet and that there isn't a mistake in them. And that's, that's what makes it difficult for Liverpool at home at the moment. But if you'd said to us all at the start of the season, we've got two home games, and if, if we win them, we're almost there. You'd, and they're against Middlesbrough and Southampton. Well... Everyone would have bitten your hand off. So top, top four, yes or no? Yes. 
Third, yep. Liverpool to finish third. Third. Yeah. No, I think City might get third. Top, top four still. Top four, yes. Well, we've done a lot of talking there, so we're, uh, we're a little bit thirsty, aren't we, Andy? <laughs> 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 we only have to do this once, you know, by the <laughs> So oh, you but, we, but, we, but we do it at the end last time. So yeah. at some point... Uh, um, you should, if you if you've uh, if that's made you thirsty, <laughs> pop along to beer52.com and uh, use the code Echo, and you'll get a tenner off your first order of delicious craft beers. Uh, and that will do us for this podcast. Join us later this week, where we'll look ahead to the Southampton game. Cheerio.